you know, it is the number one killer of children in our country. 90% of all gun deaths amongst children happen in the United States for industrialized nations. We have 130 on average unintentional child shootings a year, 15,000 injuries for children zero to 19. It's truly an epidemic for our children and our nation. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 396. Today, we're talking about keeping your kids safe from gun violence with Dr. Joanna Thomas. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast, my friend. So glad you're here. Listen, I hope you are subscribed and I hope you've gone over to Apple Podcasts and left a rating and review at some point. It just helps the podcast grow more. I hugely appreciate it. So thank you so much for everyone who's done so. Today, we have a very important conversation. You know, gun violence in the United States, it recently surpassed car accidents as the leading cause of death for American children. This is our reality. We have to face it. It's as horrible as it is. So we're going to have a conversation today about how do we, American parents, keep our kids safe from guns? And it turns out there are some very simple questions we should be asking our kids' friends and things like that. So in just a moment, we'll be sitting down with Dr. Joanna Thomas. She's a Moms Demand Action volunteer, a college professor, and a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Arkansas. She has been educating individuals, agencies, communities, and social workers on gun violence prevention through the Be Smart for Kids program for over five years. Dr. Thomas is also a gun owner and a parent, so she conducts really meaningful, authentic, non-judgmental, secure firearms storage conversations with gun owners and community members across the country. So This is going to be a very powerful, very practical, very important conversation. I know you're going to want to share it with your friends. It's really, really valuable. So join me at the table as I talk to Dr. Joanna Thomas. The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. Well, Joanna, thank you for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. 
Thank you for having me. I've been so, as a parent, so frustrated with the gun violence in the United States. I love Moms Demand Action. And I was like, oh, it occurred to me that I could bring someone on the podcast to talk about this issue. And so I'm so happy you can come on because it kills me. Like it really, I just feel it so in my gut, like that gun violence recently surpassed car accidents as the leading cause of death for American children. Like that happened very recently. Can we just talk a little bit about the extent of the problem that that's happened here? And maybe it, has it grown in recent years? Because it just hurts me, this whole thing. It's killing me. But anyway, tell, tell me about the extent of what's happening. Yeah. So the gun violence epidemic um, has been growing. Um, and this is directly tied to easy access to firearms and the number of firearms um, in the country, approximately 4.6 million children live in a home with at least one loaded unsecured firearm. Um, so that, you know, that's one of our problems. Um, as you know, it is the number one um, killer of children in our country. 90% of all gun deaths amongst children happen in the United States for industrialized nations. And so, you know, it's we have 130 on average unintentional child shootings a year. 15,000 injuries for children zero to 19. It's truly an epidemic for our children and our nation. Now, I come from a background where this is so, like, I don't understand it. I grew up in a super lefty liberal family in Rhode Island. You know, everyone in Rhode Island is a Democrat. Like, there's barely any hunting culture there. Like, people are just more out to, like, get a good grinder and their coffee milk than go hunting. So I find it really hard to understand, like, I find it really hard to understand this culture. And I'm just wondering if you, you, I know you're a gun owner and a parent. You're, you're working in Arkansas. Is your background different for helping you maybe understand this? Do you have a more personal understanding of this gun culture in the United States? I think I do. I mean, I grew up in Ohio. I mean, I was it was an urban place, but, um, you know, we had firearms. Um, we had a lot of firearms. Um, they were always locked up. I guess as a kid, I just assumed everyone had their firearms locked up. Um, you know, they were in a cabinet in the basement. We knew they were there, but nobody touched them. Nobody could get into that safe. Um, but we went hunting. Um, I learned to shoot on a bow and arrow. I learned, you know, on a long range gun very early. I think my first hunting expedition, I was like seven. So I learned very early how to handle a firearm, but I was never in a position where I handled one without adult supervision. I mean, that was just how we did it in our household. I grew up with two brothers that hunt. They still hunt. Um, and so firearms were very familiar with me. Um, I would have to say, though, that we didn't own handguns. And so that was an area that I had to learn and grow in um, because we really did use our firearms for food and for sport and hunting. And so it wasn't for home protection. It wasn't for some of the other reasons that some, you know, gun owners will own a, a firearm. We didn't have those same reasons. And so coming to Arkansas was a bit of a culture shock as far as, you know, seeing open firearms, seeing people carrying them openly. I wasn't prepared for some of that gun culture. And so it was something that I really had to, to unfortunately get used to as far as living um, in a state that is very protective of its firearms. We are 49th in the country for gun laws, and that is not a good thing. You know, we probably have one gun law. You can't have guns in the stadiums and you can't have guns in the uh, state capitol. 
But isn't it? It's like crazy, though. It's like easier to get a gun than it is to probably adopt a dog. I bet. Like there, there's something. I mean, don't, we have to go through a lot of steps. Sometimes they come to your house when you adopt a dog to see what the situation is. Yeah, it's very it's very different here. It is a um, it's a different culture. It is very easy if you're a law abiding citizen to walk into a, you know, a firearm store and, and buy a firearm. Um, you know, there are loopholes that we've been trying to address for a long time. I can I can sell my firearm in the parking lot if I'd like to um, and transfer that ownership without a background check. And so that is something that Moms Demand is steadily working on because, you know, if you do, if you're a law-abiding citizen and you walk into a gun shop, you can leave the same day with it. If you're not, you can buy it in a parking lot and leave that same hour with it. So, you know, there are um, there are ways around the laws that we have in place, and that's unfortunate. So how did you become involved personally with uh, gun violence prevention? Yeah, I think like most of the country, Sandy Hook was a turning point for me. You know, I was pregnant with my second child and it was devastating. And so at that time, I thought, I have two young kids. This is terrible, but do I really have time for this? And so it took me a while to really stick my feet in. It was in um, 2015, 2017, somewhere around there, that the Arkansas legislature decided that it was going to allow guns on campuses. And so for me personally, as a professor, that was that was something that hit hard. My students with mental health issues, my students with not fully functioning um, frontal lobe capacity were going to be carrying firearms in their book bags and under their coats. And, you know, they don't have to be holstered um, in the dorms. They don't have to be safely put away, securely put away. Um, so these were this was a very scary moment for me. And that's when I realized that I needed to find a way to advocate for myself and my students and, you know, campus families just figure out how to how to join the gun violence prevention movement. I feel so frustrated about this whole thing because I've been part of this movement. I've been at rallies, I've been holding signs. My kids have too. And just like with Sandy Hook, I just feel like that was this moment when nothing changed after that, that it was like this moment when we just decided it was okay to like, we could bear this, right? Like we could bear the thought of all these kids being killed. And that was, that was okay. And it just really, um, it's just like so, so hard, obviously, and very emotional for me, obviously, to, to think about that. I mean, have we had any movement since then that has been uh, towards more prevention and, and regulation and pre- prevention of violence? I think this is what is really hard for the public to understand, right? So gun violence prevention is a multi-pronged issue. It's going to take, you know, every every angle you can imagine to kind of address this issue. People often say nothing changed after Sandy Hook, and I like to say everything changed after Sandy Hook. I do believe that was the impetus for the current gun violence prevention movement that we're seeing. Um, you know, we just had the the strongest bipartisan gun law bill passed um, in in more than a decade. Um, you know, we are starting to move the needle politically. More politicians are aligning with, you know, we don't need these certain laws or we need more, um, red, you know, red flag laws or we need um, to close the boyfriend loopholes for domestic violence or, you know, there's a lot that we can agree upon. And so I do believe that the that the needle is finally moving. And I do believe that more of the public is finding this unacceptable. Gun owners, non-gun owners, parents, not parents. 
I don't believe that most of us feel that our children's lives should be the price we pay in this country to have lawful gun ownership. Um, and so I do think that we're seeing more people join the movement and really join in on on common sense gun laws that will keep all of us safe. You know, it's at least something that we're talking about where I don't believe this was a conversation that many of us were happening, you know, having before we would say that's unfortunate or that's too bad. Or, you know, we used to say, well, they just went postal or whatever that term might be. And now we have a way to talk about it, a way to talk about common sense gun laws, a way to talk to each other about gun violence that just wasn't there before Sandy Hook. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Rituals Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen-free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. That's reassuring for me a little bit, but it's hard, you know, like when it happens in a school, you're like, what am I supposed to do? Not, you know, I contemplated maybe I'm going to pull my kids out of school and homeschool them because then they will not be a target for a sad, angry white man. Right. Like that, because those who are who the shooters are, 
But then there are all these other places where kids are getting hurt from gun violence, too. Like, I guess statistically, it's those moments that are the most heartbreaking and they make the news and things like that. But I imagine statistically a kid's more likely to be hurt in an individual home and an accident. How does that work out, Joanne? Absolutely. I mean, you know, schools are still some of the safest places that our children go for many children. Um, And we have to remember that as a society, there's a way to make it safer and we can talk about that. But, you know, nowhere is safe currently. I mean, we're watching people be shot in church and at the grocery store and in parking lots. And so statistically speaking, most unintentional shootings are happening in the home or in the home of a friend. Um, This is where suicides are taking place with firearms. Just like for any other accident, your home is very dangerous. You know, we have a pool, we have four dogs, we have two firearms. Like there's a lot of unsafe things in our home if we don't use them correctly. Um, And like I said before, you know, 4.6 million children live in one of these households. 78% of school shooters will have gotten their gun from their own home or the home of a friend or a relative. And so when you start thinking about that and what we can do to change the conversation and to keep our kids safe, that's huge. That's huge. And I think we're missing some of the small steps and small conversations that we can have that will immediately make our children safer. Okay, so let's talk about that. What are the most important things we can do to protect our kids from gun violence? Ask about guns in other people's homes and cars, you know, and making sure that if we have firearms, we've securely stored them and cars. And I can talk about that in a minute because these weren't questions that I've always asked. And it was something that I learned about with moms. But securing our own firearms is basic. You know, your gun should be locked, unloaded with the ammunition stored separately. Not every gun owner will get on board with that. So there's harm reduction that we do in that instance. But um, I always ask other families now, do you have firearms and how do you keep them stored? Because, you know, even if you believe your child will never touch a gun, children who have had a one-week safety training compared to children who have had no safety training are just as likely to touch a firearm when unsupervised. And so, you know, you're a mom too. How many times have we told our kids, don't touch the cell phone, don't touch the stove, don't touch this? I mean, and what do they do? It's like, they're like, oh, I'm going to touch that. Um, and so it really is. You can't, This the onus of keeping kids safe is always on the adult. We can't expect kids not to get in the pool when we're not looking or not to, you know, run out the front door. Just the same as we can't expect them not to touch a firearm. This is so fascinating for me because, like I said, from my like lefty liberal Rhode Island background, I would never even like imagine. I can't imagine a gun being in anyone I know's house. But it probably there is, you know, I I live in the mid-Atlantic, probably happening. There are definitely people who hunt. And I'm, at this point, I probably miss that that boat. But I think this is like an incredibly valuable thing. Like, do you have a gun in your home? How is your gun secured? Right. Like we, we want to ask that question. I mean, we were talking about this in my um, in our podcast meeting earlier. And one of the members of Mindful Mama Mentor was like, well, I would feel so awkward asking that, you know, and it's like, well, it's awkward, but isn't this probably the most important question you can ask? I mean, how do we go about approaching it? Yeah, so um, this is always interesting. I remember the first time I asked about a firearm because I thought, gosh, nobody wants to be asked this. This It's going to be terrible. And my child was at an event and she wanted to go home with another mom um, and her friend. And so 
I re- remember working up the nerve. Um, so I walked over to her and I said, do you have any firearms in your home? And at the time I just asked about her home and she said, no, but I have one in the car. She's like, I keep it under the seat, you know, because I work construction and I have to go to these construction sites. And so, yeah, no, it's in my car. And I was like, oh, now what? So I said, well, you know, I'm going to drive my own child. You know, she can come over, but I think I'm going to drive her because I just am not comfortable with a gun in the car. And she said, okay. And I said, can we make a safety plan for when we get to your house of how you're going to secure your firearm while my child is there? And she said, oh, absolutely. I can, you know, take it in the house and put it in the safe. Um, Because again, kids get in cars and they play in cars and they shouldn't, but they do. Um, And so we worked on a safety plan together to make sure that that firearm was secured. But I, I was surprised at how much information she gave me because I think at the end of the day, gun owners want to be safe and they think they're being safe. Um, by hiding a gun or storing a gun in a place they think a child can't reach or won't touch, um, when in fact it's not safe. You know, there are car safes where you can have access to your firearm in three seconds. And so it was a good learning opportunity for both of us to talk about this. Okay. And so for people who don't know, we should be looking for a locked safe and the ammunition stored separately. That's what we're really looking for, right? Yes. That's what we're really looking for. I mean, that's what I tell people. That's like the gold standard of securing your firearm. Um, some gun owners aren't comfortable with that. They want to be able to ha- access their their loaded firearm. Um, so I take a harm reduction approach. Um, you know, I want to make sure it's in a safe that my child can't get into. You know, that there's ways to do it where it's fingerprint or where it's a code and not just a cable lock. Um, you know, it also depends on the age of your child. Um, and how, you know, savvy they are. So I, that's my standard. Um, I want to make sure that it's not in a nightstand, that it's not on top of a fridge, that it's not high in a cabinet, because that doesn't prevent a child from reaching those things. And what I've found is that the vast majority of people are quick to tell you that they have a firearm and how it's stored. I myself have started putting it, you know, a lot of times kids, you meet the mom or you... So we exchange numbers. And so my text is automatically, we have four dogs, they're kids safe. We have a pool, we have an alarm on it. Our doors are alarms so we know if a kid walks in or out. All screen time is supervised. Alcohol is locked up. Firearms are in a safe. Here's how we store them. Does your child have any allergies or anything that I need to know about their safety while they're in my home? And so I automatically put myself out there so that there's an expectation that if my child is coming to your home, you're going to give me that same information. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we should be having this conversation. Dear listener, you got to start having this conversation. This is like the sex talk. These are the things telling your kids that, you know, people aren't not allowed to touch you around your private parts where your bathing suit is and asking the kids, friends, families about their guns. These are probably the two uh, number one things you could ever, ever do for your kid's safety. So it's awkward. It's not fun, but just do it bite the bullet. Boy. I mean, it's imperative to their health. I mean, kids are so impulsive. And I, I think we forget that as parents. We hope they'll do the right thing every time, but we also know that's probably not going to happen every time. And so as much as you talk with your child about not touching something, chances are they're going to. So it really is, you know, we can prevent gun violence immediately just by asking the question. Okay, awesome. And then we want to talk to our kids about guns, right? Like we want them to know that this is a safety hazard in their life, but we don't want to scare the pants off of them. What is the right age to start talking to our kids about gun violence? 
You know, this is a really hard question to answer only because you want to make sure that you're talking at a, at an age-appropriate level, just like you would about nobody touches your private parts. You know, you're going to want to use words and phrases that they understand. But I think it's also important for your listeners to understand that children as young as two can pull the trigger on a firearm. And so that that talk has to come very young because they do. They see it on TV. You may own firearms. So as early as as you can, we, you know, I never allowed like gun play with with toy guns. Now I couldn't prevent them using their fingers or building one out of something or, you know, kids are kind of ingenious in that way. But we had a lot of talks from a very young age. What do you do if you if you find a firearm? And I remember asking my child, which scared the pants off of me, I showed her some firearms from the internet because a lot of parents don't understand not every firearm is black and looks like the ones in the movies. They now put what they call skins or stickers on them. And so they have Hello Kitty and Tiffany Blue and Pretty Pink, and they look like Nerf guns. And so I asked my nine-year-old at the time, I said, what would you do if you found one of these? And she said, oh, I'd pick it up to see if it's real. And that was when I, I mean, my heart shattered because that's not the answer. And so we immediately had to have the conversation that regardless if you think it's real or fake, you have to find an adult and you have to find them immediately. And so I realized I probably should have been having that conversation at four and five when they're going to school and when a child has another chance to bring their unsecured firearm to school. I mean, that's just horrifying that kids could bring an unsecured firearm to school. Is that, ha- I mean, how often is that happening? We just had a giant news story about it where the, where the young boy um, shot his, his teacher. It was a terrible tragedy, but it was an unsecured firearm in his home. So it, it happens far more than, than we want to believe um, or that, you know, gunfire on school grounds happens. Not every gunfire, you know, is it on school grounds is a mass shooting. Sometimes it's a child who just brings their, you know, their unsecured firearm to school that their parents or their family member owns. And so just like I said, like just asking the secure storage question and securing our firearms means that we can reduce gun violence for our children immensely. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. 
For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Because these are very much as well like crimes of opportunity, right? I mean, there are people with mental health problems all around the world. And this is really only happening here in the United States where we have this incredible opportunity, right? Yes. So we, I mean, mental health problems are equivalent across the globe. We are the only country in the world with unfettered access to firearms. Um, and so it, it makes the problem exponentially worse, whether we're talking about homicides, assaults, um, suicide. You know, it increases the risk for all forms of gun violence, not just mass shootings. So going back to our kids and us having these conversations with the adults that our kids are around, what do you what do we do when our own requirements for safe storage don't align with the parents of our of our kids friends? Yeah. So this recently happened to me. Um I think it was the first time I really had to ad- address it, you know, with a fellow um gun owner. They were quick to say they had their firearms in their nightstands and they used them for home protection and their kids knew not to touch them and they don't store them. You know, they don't secure them in the same way. Um, And so I said, you know, I think it would be better if our kids met at the barn or, you know, your child's welcome to come to my home or we can meet at a park. But, um, you know, I'm really not comfortable sending our children over there because we just have, you know, different standards. And they were like, okay, And they were fine with that response. I'll continue to have the conversation with them in, in the hopes of moving that needle. But I will tell you that of all of the times that I've asked, that's the only time that has ever happened to me where we just couldn't come to a consensus on on secure storage. So when I say 99.9% of people want to do the right thing, I really mean it. I mean, I really haven't had that. And I'm living in one of the reddest, most gun-owning, gun-loving states in the entire country. So if I can have that conversation and find a way out of it, I think anybody can. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, All right. So we need to be doing these things. We need to be asking these questions. Let's talk about schools and some of the work that Moms Demand Action, one, some of the things that you're fighting for. So, you know, you said schools are still some of the safest place that kids can be. But, but still, the, these shootings are happening. Mass shootings are happening around the country at an insane rate. What are some of the things that we should, we should be advocating for or how we can get involved in looking at what's happening maybe in our own state? Right. So one of the the newest things that we've been working on really is trying to get secure firearm storage messaging home to parents. And so I think there are 8 million children now that live in a district, including Little Rock, uh, where secure firearm storage information is sent home to parents. And so they're getting this just like they would, you know, information about free and reduced lunch and information about parent-teacher conferences. And so it comes home to them. It's It's on our websites. It's So you want to be asking your PTOs, you want to be asking your schools if they can implement anything 
that would, you know, allow for them to send that messaging home to families. Because the more we talk about it, the more we destigmatize it, the safer our kids are going to be. So oftentimes we want to talk about doors and gates and fences. And, you know, those are all things that are good if they're done right. But if we can secure firearms, we can, you know, it changes the conversation. It changes what can happen. And it, you know, it it makes an even ground. So I think that that is probably the number one thing we need to, that we need to work on is really getting that messaging out to families and communities. You know, I think that's effective. I think, you know, I drive to into Philadelphia, live outside of Philadelphia, and I think I saw a billboard that said, like, are you asking whether your firearms are secured? I think that may have been what catalyzed me to call you up and, and have this whole conversation. So, and I love this idea because it's kind of like going, you know, I truly believe that like what happens in the micro level goes out to what happens in the macro level, right? Like if this you know, similarly with parenting, as we start to shift and change things to to having, you know, changing things from using power and threats to other conversations and other means, these things start to trickle out into the larger culture. If we can start to have a conversation about like these are, you know, this is not a free for all. These are dangerous. You know, this is one of the most dangerous things in our culture that we need to really have a conversations about constantly about whether they're secured. That could probably trickle out into larger conversations about how we can increase gun safety in this country. Right. And I think it's it's, you know, we think about how we change the culture around drunk driving, how we change the culture around um, safe sex, how we change the culture and it, it all started by meeting people where they are and destigmatizing the conversation and kind of embedding it into our culture. And I think that this is the same way to do that, meeting people where they are, understanding why they're scared. You know, I found, you know, as a social worker in, in kind of in this arena, people are scared to lose their children and they're scared to lose their firearms and they want to know how to keep both. And so this has been very impactful for meeting people where they are and I've had so many comments about, wow, this is so easy. This is such an easy thing I can do. And, you know, I'm already doing this or how can I do this better? I had, you know, a lady stand up one time when I was giving a presentation and she said, I have to go. I have to go right now. And I was like, OK, are you OK? And she goes, I've never asked my my daycare provider, my in-home daycare provider, if she has a firearm in her home. So, you know, just educating people on how dangerous they are, just like we've done for so many other dangers. Um, you know, including now we tell our kids, don't experiment with drugs, don't take any pills, don't leave your drink unattended. It's all the same thing, just a little bit different conversation. And it's taking the stigma, taking the taboo out of gun ownership. Where do you see the places where gun owners and people who really want to regulate gun ownership, where do you see the places where they can meet in agreement in the United States? Because it seems sometimes like those places are sort of few and far in between. You know, I think what we found is most responsible gun owners will tell you they want universal background checks. So they don't want loopholes. They want people who are responsible to have guns. This conversation around be smart and keeping children safe is such a good bonding point for just about everybody. I think that as a society, we want children to, you know, grow up healthy, happy, to be able to develop in safe spaces that we want this for our children, grandchildren, our communities. Um, and it's such an easy way to do it that this conversation 
seems to go over the best with people that this is a place where we can meet kind of in the middle. And, and, you know, we, we argue about bigger policies and bigger issues, but when it comes down to it, I think all of us want kids to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think this is so, 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 so important. Well, um, Joanna, is there anything that we miss that we should be talking about um, in keeping kids safe from gun violence? No, I think that it's important for your viewers to go out and check out the Be Smart website, and I can get that website to you. But um, Be Smart means securing your firearms in your home, in your vehicle, modeling responsible behavior around guns, asking about guns in your home, in your car, um, recognizing the role of guns in suicide, and then telling your peers to be smart. So it is such an easy message. They have so many examples of text messages and ways that you can ask how to become a presenter, how to talk about these issues with your school board and your PTO. And it's such a great resource. So I think just starting there, it's such a small step. But in the grand scheme of things, if we can save one child from death by a gun, we, we've done our job. But if each one of us does that, that's a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. So dear listener, let's, let's take some action. Let's start to ask these questions. Let's maybe talk to our PTOs about this. And I love the idea of materials that are ready to go to to share with other people because if we can gather around this you know we we can we can you know and we can have these these awkward conversations and it sounds like there will be a lot of people will be receptive so joanna thank you so much um for taking the time to come on the mindful mama podcast and talk about this um i'm so glad that we're able to take this time to to share this incredibly important message. I'm going to start asking people now for my kids. Yeah. Excellent. That's great. I'm so glad the conversation with Dr. Thomas was so practical and action-oriented because it's such a scary frightening topic. We just want to close our eyes and hide our head in the sand. That doesn't work in the United States. I mean, for everyone who's listening from the other places around the world, I, uh, you know, I just hope you have a lot of sympathy for this, what we go through here. It's so frustrating and challenging and it's so hard to change, but it's our reality, right? So we have to face it. So I'm so glad this conversation was really practical. I hope that you appreciated that too, the practicality of this conversation. I think that we should definitely be asking these questions. You know, do you have a gun in your home or your car? How is it secured, right? We need to ask these questions. I will be asking these questions too. Yeah, just has to happen. Oh, I know. I know, dear friend. It's like, ugh, the things we have to face and deal with. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you share this episode around for everybody who needs it. It's so, so important. If you do so, tag me at Mindful Mama Mentor. And um, and I'm wishing you a great week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the, the solutions to these. And um, I wish you some calm and ease and all those good things this week. So take care, my friend. Talk to you soon. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. 
and just I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I had this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Mindfulparentingcourse.com. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.